off the inaugural podcast of the Companions of the Perception Check. <laughs> That's a fantastic name that I wasn't aware of before we started. <laughs> Hello, I'm Zachary Ruffing. I'm blind and I'm one of the two DMs for Companions of the Perception Check. And I'm, I'd, uh, I'm happy to uh, welcome you to our first episode. And here are my uh, friends. I'm Kevin Laddith, the other dungeon master for the Companions of a Perception Check. Uh, mention, I will mention my wife, Megan, who plays with us and has a tendency to go off the rails and go to an evil character fairly quickly. I am Seth Colgrove. I'm just the uh, lovable puckish rogue of the group. Um, my wife also plays with us, Kim. She uh, she has a tendency to go off the rails and get frightened and get everyone killed. We're going to be discussing wizards. And this will in no way affect my view of wizards, but today's podcast is sponsored by Xanthar's ne- School of Necromancy. Just because you're going to die doesn't mean it's going to be permanent. Now, to be serious for a moment, Companions of the Perception Check is a new podcast in which we will be discussing uh, various aspects of D&D and hopefully later on uh, providing other things such as games and uh, games and other um, things, possibly columns, and uh, us discussing other topics occasionally. Tonight, the focus is going to be wizardry. As we delve into this, we should probably cover the different aspects of wizardry. The different schools. Yeah. There are eight schools to which uh, all spells belong. Abjuration, Conjuration, Divination, Enchantment, Evocation, Illusion, Necromancy, and transmutation. Uh, all spe- <laughs> yeah, all spells, not only um, wizard spells, fall into that category. Um, cleric spells, uh, howling spells, they're, they're they're also divided in such a way. Mm-hmm. Now the the let's start with with these uh, school of abjuration and. Uh, should should we talk of the spells or the uh, or the player class first? I think we probably we should wait for the latest swords book for probably till the end. Um, are you wanting to talk of spells or? Uh, I'm sorry, Zach. I, I'm, I'm misunderstanding. Are you want to talk spells first or player class? That's what I was asking you. I think we should start with the player classes. Um, okay. The school of abjuration focuses on protection spells. Yes, and also um, this, this can be literal things such as uh, glyphs of warding, uh, two spells that no wizard should be without: mage armor and shield. Um, but also other things that can really save your butt. Um, things like um, a lot of uh, the dispel. Spells and counter spell fall in this category. 
as do some like utility spells like alarm, which has saved me more than once. <laughs> well, I find I, I I like the idea of it, but I, I I think the the school of abjuration works very well, at least in theory from a. He's got to be surrounded by, by other characters that that can dish the damage. Would you? Would you? Yes. <laughs> well, if you're a wizard, all, that's almost a given. Unless you're a, a blade singer, which has ways to make their armor class abnormally high for any class, um, you're kind of in that boat. Um, but uh, if you look at some of the features the abjurer gets, um, they get a ward early on that circles them when they use um, use abjuration magic. Now as um, as they are actually a very heavy combat um, class just mostly on the defensive end but however they get can get a whole bunch of temporary hit points or even protect their allies simply by casting abjuration spells that are making them defensive powerhouses in the first place as far as wizards go or further bolstering up their allies. D&D is, of course, a cooperative game, so they may not be dealing heavy damage, but they are still very much contributing to a combat effort. As they go along, and once they get to the point where they hit, where they uh, can project a ward, I feel like the hit points that they get rise to the point where they become somewhat tank-like at times, too. Yeah. <coughs> You combine that with some uh, with some useful transmutation magic like stone skin, and uh, you're pretty well set for them. Also, counter spell and dispel magic um, will give any enemy spellcaster fit. Oh, I know! I know. Counter spell can be can can save your hide in multiple scenarios there. I just like my enemies to have fits. <laughs> well, let's, let's move on to the School of Conjuration. Now, the, the, the School of Conjuration is designed to, well, as it says, conjure things out of thin air, where you're able to, to create an inanimate object or... Uh, or even a, a a weapon that you could use. Um, yeah, con I went I went through the spell list and looked and tried to guess, you know, what each spell, what kind of uh, you know school it belonged to today. Uh -huh. And that I found I have a lot of trouble sometimes guessing between transmutation and conjuration um, because. Um, because conjuration, I found usually, I think, I can't remember, it's one or the other, like, things like a wall of vines, that's either conjuration or transmutation. I can't remember. One if it's usually made of plants, like one or the other. And some, and I had a hard time often guessing um, whether something was in a, a conjuration or a transmutation. And that really bugged me. I didn't really have any trouble with any of the other schools. I mean, occasionally I was surprised, but not usually. 
Um, I didn't see Wall of Vines. I did see Wall of Thorns, and that is a conjuration spell. Yeah. Okay, yeah, a lot of the plant-based spells are, and, I think. And that, like, that makes I sense, think... because if you're... A conjuration is is pulling, pulling it from, pulling it from nothing, um, while transmutation is, is moving from one form to another. Yeah, I think Kim, uh, actually, her favorite... Uh, this is probably her favorite school of magic, because it contains her absolute favorite spell and my absolute least favorite spell. Plane shift. Plane shift has gotten us out of many a sticky wicket. (laughs) It has. It has. (laughs) And it has wrecked everything for my adventures several times now. (laughs) Yes, I'm surprised you haven't been like, okay, these spells are no longer uh, available in the multiverse. I'm surprised every time we start, you don't hand out a list. Here are the new list of banned spells. (laughs) Well, conjura- the school of conjuration does does um, ha- have its perks, like all of them. At sixth level, you get benign transportation, where you, yeah, transposition, where you can uh, teleport uh, thirty feet, or you can swap places with a creature if it's willing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that, that's a pretty good one. And uh, what I, uh, what I, and also I remember seeing that somewhere. So I think we know what subclass um, a particular very famous celebrity mage is, because uh, in the uh, back in the fall um, acquisitions incorporated event, didn't uh, Jim Dark Magic use benign transposition? No, he didn't because he he thought about it because it would just swap him out, and then he'd be stuck. But then, he, yeah, I thought he did it to, like, get the room of flying or something, because he could, someone fell out the bottom, but then he could just fly away or something. I don't remember. But don't but we know he has that ability, so I'm pretty sure he's a conjurer. I, uh, th- this, that sounds extremely helpful for somebody who just rushes into things. <laughs> Not to point any fingers, but I rushed into a thing or two in my life. <laughs> Particularly my D and D life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a that's a, one of my. I, I like that one. And I also like because they get things like planar ally. Um, you get to um and conjure fay and conjure woodland being. You, you just get to have a um. You get to kind of have a little army there. I particularly like planar ally because I love dealing with beings. They're my favorite. Um, they're my favorite monster type in D and D. So, and any creep, any character that can shove those things around, I really or or I can think they can shove those things around. I really thought it was because you didn't like more exotic allies. You like them to be a little bit plainer than. <laughs> that wasn't good. My bad. <laughs> All right. Our next school is the School of Divination. Looks like divination... Almost all the... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Looks like it's uh, divination, well, it does what you would expect, at least the class type, of where you try and uh, see the future, which I guess in 
D&D means that you're going to buff your attack rolls or saving throws. Yeah, you get to, you get those poor tanks that lets you uh, lets you get extra dice that you can replace. Um, also, although it doesn't have as much combat potential right away, um, the um, the tenth level ability for them I I really like because you could get pretty much any type of vision. Um, I really, I really and again, like pretty much. Go ahead. Go ahead, Seth. I really like the school of divination. I mean, not for the not for the small matter that it makes you like Professor X with magic on top of it, but uh, I really like the the abilities that you get from uh, the divination, especially the uh, the greater portent. Once you get to that point, you can swap out so many things. And if I read it correctly, and that happens to me sometimes, I don't. But you can even swap a bad roll on those portents with a, an a opponent. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I mean, they don't, of course, divination is not a combat-oriented school, but it's also something that can really move a party's investigations along, because, one, you can see invisible things, you can, uh, you can also do things like identify items or legend lore, like if you were to find some really weird item in some catacomb somewhere, you could, I mean, it could be possibly a lot easier than having to find someone who knows something or just guess at it. Guessing at it's always been my favorite strategy. Well, as yes. for the companions of the perception check, we should know that we can't perceive squat. <laughs> fact. <laughs> yeah. In fact, our motto is, it's mathematically impossible to miss this many perception checks. <laughs> We have a particular set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> it's not notice, noticing the giant pit ten feet in front of us. Yeah. Now, moving on, we go to the School of Enchantment. Which... Enchantment? Uh, enchantment is largely what you would think it would be. What I was surprised, actually, looking at it, uh, some spells I didn't realize were part of it were actually the power words. Power word kill is actually an enchantment. Wow! Wow! I didn't know that. Didn't, didn't, I uh, that on, on one of the other on one of the other ones, but I guess that, that enchantment. Yeah, it does make sense because you're in fact enchanting a word. Yeah, basically, it, you say a word with such power that it can compel people to just die. One of the um cool things about enchantment, which I didn't realize until I looked through it today, the power words are actually enchantments. Except for uh, heal, I believe. Mm-hmm. Heal, I believe, is an evocation. Um, <clears throat> but uh, enchantment uh, enchantment is uh, I like some of the perks it gets, especially some of the uh, ways you can get to keep people from attacking you. The uh, instinctive charm and the uh, hypnotic gaze, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, those are both ways. The enchanter doesn't get a lot of combat spells, but they have lots of ways to make sure that they're ignored. Well, that, I mean, that, the thing, uh, the thing that you. I'm sorry. Go for it. I, 
I said that. I mean that that makes sense if you're if you're an enchanter, enchanter. You know your 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 strength is is bending people to your will, so that yeah that would that would work best. You you may not be able to fling the mightiest fireball, but you can definitely make sure that whoever's flinging a fireball at your party doesn't notice you or doesn't feel that you're a threat. Yeah, stay stay on the sidelines for like 18 levels, then you get power and kill, and then you're awesome. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I, I really like the, uh, the Enchanter, but one thing I have to say is just because of the nature of a lot of the the um, enchantment spells. I think even more so than necromancy. In my opinion, enchanter lends itself to evil players or NPCs more than any of the other basic wizard types do. Presented in the player's handbook. I, I agree with you on that. That If you look at archetypal, I guess, evil evil characters, there there's always they're, they're always trying to bend the universe to their will. And what better way, you know, yeah, you could raise an army of the dead as a necromancer to force that, but you can literally turn people's minds to your side as a as someone who's an enchanter. I mean, even a basis in just the, uh, just a basis in the real world, I mean, most crime is a, a, the art of misdirection. Get everybody to look somewhere else while you're doing what you what you want to do over here. Yeah, and then there's a one thing I also um, one thing though that uh, that a lot of the enchantment spells have as riders on them is when you uh, when you use hello still here sorry cutting out a lot okay um, uh, one thing when you're using your Enchantment spells, probably Enchanter is going to do best in a party that doesn't uh, go to violence for the first action. Our party actually doesn't a lot of times. Like, I, I mean, I had a lot of fights in that last um, encounter you guys went through, but you were able to go through without resorting to combat whatsoever. And uh, an Enchanter probably would have made that a whole lot easier. But it's, but the thing is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the, but the thing is, the enchantment spell. A lot of times, creatures get advantage on their saving throw if you're already hostile to them. You want to use enchantments before the fight. Enchant first, throw daggers if that fails. Yeah, that I mean that that makes sense. And now we move on to the School of Evocation. Evocation is probably the flashiest school, and when most of the time when I hear people talking about uh, spells in D&D, I hear things from this one. Fireball, lightning bolt, ice storm. Um, That, I mean, from, from a... I guess from from someone on the outside, this this one appeals to me most. But I suppose that it's because 
I view, I guess, wizards and sorcerers as intertwined. That, yeah. And and from that, it that their their primary focus is elemental magic, like the like the evocation school is. Yeah, the uh, the um, the wizards and the sorcerer spell lists aren't identical, but they are relatively similar. And the sorcerers don't get quite as many subtle spells, but they get a lot of big, flashy, dangerous ones. Big, flashy, and dangerous. That's like my calling card. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do like in it that you can. Well, what, what is it here that um, you can, you know, do things like sculpt spells, which at, at level two allows you to, as it says, exclude some some creatures from your damage. Now, does that go for, say, someone whose whose campaign allows for friendly fire? Do you, do you yeah. can see that that being very helpful, especially if your campaign allows it, because you know generally when you're up there fighting, you probably have to want to you know move a spell around so it hits your the target while avoiding your fighter up front. Yeah, I think even the whole idea of fireball damage being so high at such a low level is because you have to accommodate for its area of effect. You have to try not to hit people on your side. Um, most campaigns I know do take into account friendly fire. We we don't usually, unless it's, unless it's accidental. Yeah. On our part, but yeah, I'd probably do something like maybe give you another evocation cantrip or something instead if if you took that uh, one. Oh, I don't know. It, it would be because you could. Yeah. If you, if you had say a um, an enchanter in the group as well, they could take the mind, They could force mind bend one of their one of the opponents, and you'd have to you'd want to move around them because if you hit them, then it would. Yeah, they up. they come out of it. Yeah. And next up is your favorite. The School of Illusion. Yeah. The, the Illusion School is also uh, one I played in 5th edition. Um, I'll tell you for one thing, it is, uh, I, I think of it as sort of the thinking mage's uh, evo um, evocation, because it's actually very combat, um, very combat capable, except of course, um, certain types of creatures, many undead and um, and constructs, are unfortunately um, immune to some of the effects, especially the some of the combat ones that are based on fear, uh -huh. because there are some nice damaging um, damaging illusion spells. Weird is one of the most powerful illusions, and that's why Cat and Phantasmal Killer which is super destructive on a group. Um, 
But then there's other things that just the illusionist gets. They have way to make items real for a while by pulling them out of their pulling like items out of their illusions and making them real for a while. Um, they have an ability where they can, in, re in response to getting attacked, they can make a double of themselves that gets hit instead. Um, and then you get nice spells like mirror image and blur, which make you really hard to hit. You may not be, um, you don't have the abjurer's extra hit points or the enchanter's way of being ignored, like attacks are just going to keep missing you. Uh-huh. Well, um, that, I mean, that, especially if you're, if you're, you're casting illusions that can distract the enemy, that works very well. Um, especially if it's yeah, the getting hit. Yeah, also there's two others that are useful very much outside of battle and in battle that can, um, can really help. Both silence and invisibility are illusion spells. Silence effectively stops a, a spellcaster or covers up what you're doing, and uh, invisibility serves the same purpose. Yeah. Uh, and, well, it, it, it does that, and also the, the abilities can help you avoid combat um, entirely. Entirely. Yeah. Have, yeah. Have your uh, have an image of yourself or your party approaching the gate from over there, while you jump over the wall here, or uh, or you know any manner of stuff. You, the thing is, it's very hard to use a lot of evocation discreetly outside of combat. I, well, I mean, discreetly at all, really. Um, you can... Illusion has a bit more utility, and you still have a good uh, a good uh, chance of defeating most enemies in combat using... I hate anything with True Sight, though. <laughs> God, I hate True Sight. <laughs> uh, and that blows your invisibility. <laughs> Well, also, any uh, true sight automatically sees through any visual illusion. So, if something has true sight, you can't use phantasmal killer or weird on them, even though the damage from those is ridiculously high. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, the practicality of it with illusor, illusor—I can't even say that word. Uh, reality. I, it's so useful yeah. to get, get you wherever you need to go. And also one of my favorite, uh, I'm not sure if wizards actually get it, but it is an illusion um, that I like. Uh, there's hallucinatory terrain, and then there's an even better version of it called Mirage. Hallucinatory terrain is a great way to keep from getting pursued because you can make one type of terrain look, smell, and sound like some other type of terrain. Uh, if you interact with it, um, they know otherwise. But And Mirage does the same thing over a much larger area, and it actually tactically changes it. So, say we have to flee down the road. I, can, I as our illusionist, casts, um, cast Mirage behind us. I make the road all cracked and broken and stuff. It feels that way, and it's even difficult terrain for those following. 
and it covers the whole square mile. So even if they try to walk out of the way, it's going to take a while. Um, on top of on top of that, what I said, an illusionist does get that spell. Oh uh, yeah, and on top of that, you uh, if you if you put Mirage on, even if something does have true sight, Mirage is strong enough that a tactile effect is still there. So it's still difficult terrain, even though the creature with true sight knows better. That's good. I mean, that, that can... That, if you need to flee, that really helps out. Yeah. Alright. And now we're on to everybody's favorite um, school where they stick every evil wizard. Necromancy. Unjustly. Unjustly. I, I agree. Um, I... I think the the study of undeath is only a, they they only say it's for for evil um, evil people because it involves the dead. And yeah, I can I can see I can see that. Um, I guess the the closest thing would be saying a mortician is evil because he works with dead bodies. Well, it's because death makes people uncomfortable. That they're. they're not <laughs> They're not comfortable yeah. with the idea of studying it. Yeah, but here, think of a, think of this when you start to think that. Things like um, re- Resurrection, Raised Dead, True Resurrection, I think even Revivify, and several other um, uh, healing slash um, healing slash restorative spells are necromantic. Makes sense. Um, it, uh, I, I actually read a book. I don't remember what it was, but it was uh, the necromancers in it were different. Um, they still did a lot of stuff with like death and the undead, but they also um, used the same sort of magic for life saving purposes as well. Can say, I, I think a lot of the bad rap that necromancers get is based on the idea that people only look at one side. It, it, you can't just look at life or death without life. I mean, it's all one big shell for the necromancer, I believe. Yeah. I mean, they still say that the raised dead spell or the or animate dead spell is still um, usually considered an evil act. I mean, but at the same time, uh, they're not using their bodies anymore. <laughs> We're just borrowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, actually, my favorite um, ability the necromancers uh, get is... Uh, there are two I like. I actually am not a big deal with their enhanced rage dead they get. Or animate dead they get. I like the ability they get that they get health back when they kill things with spells and a little more when it's necromancy. I also like... Um, the one they get at high level, I think it's the last one they get, where they, that would just be great to have a necromancer enemy and hit, and a necromancer party member facing off because they can keep charming each other's undead. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they do get at level 10, the necromancer, um, you cannot, 
they they gain the the ability. Um, they call it what is it? In you red to undeath. In, in your in your to undeath, where you can't you can't permanently reduce their hit points. Yeah, that uh, that makes them a lot better to deal with uh, with things like wraiths, which uh, I often think of as the not so fun dead. <laughs> well, when they when the wraiths can can lower your maximum amount of hit points, I I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, and so I think uh, I think in Volo's Guide to Monsters, they introduce the Devourer, and I think it does the same thing, but really really fast or maybe the Bodak, one of the two, or maybe both, but a lot worse than a Wraith. And Wraiths are pretty bad. Add those to next campaign. Shut your hole. <laughs> That's not cool, man. <laughs> Alrighty, and our final school is the School of Transmutation. So... It says here that you modify energy and matter. The world is not a fixed thing. Endlessly mutable. And... Yeah, a lot of their... I'm sorry? Go ahead. I said it looks like it's 6th level. Um, you can create a, a transmuter stone um, that gives you dark vision up to 60 feet. Or uh, resistance to what well, gives it? You can do a uh, oh, you get all of these dark vision, increased speed, added ten. You get yeah, you can only do one at a time, but still. Uh, oh yeah, of your choice. Um, every time you change a trans, cast a transmutation, you can change it. Yeah, um, resistance to one of your one cold, acid, fire, lightning. Thunder of your choice, proficiency in constitution saving throws. Um, but I guess the only thing is, um, you know, you only get one at a time, which is, I guess, good, because it won't kill it. Some of those are pretty good. I mean, like, for example, those elemental resistances, those damage-type resistances. Um, in most cases, you're going to be dealing with just because the way adventures often turn out, you can usually predict what you'll need, or even if you don't, usually you'll only need one of those at a time. Yeah. Maybe if, maybe if you're fighting a Baylor, you you might need both fire and lightning, but you could probably get whichever one you don't have from one of your other party members. But every, every time you uh, cast a transmutation spell, you can change the effect of the stone. So if you gave somebody and gave it to and with fire damage, or fire resistance, and it starts firing lightning at everybody, you cast a spell and change it to lightning. Yeah. These, uh, these, sometimes it's hard to see exactly where, um, where certain spells, um, where, you know, this kind of seems a bit of an oddball school with some of the spells they get. The way I try to think of it is the transmutation spells aren't necessarily ones that create things, but a lot of them um, change the properties of things. Fly, you get the ability to fall. Featherfall changes the rate at which you fall. Um, spider climb lets you walk up the vertical surfaces and upside down without any trouble. 
or water walk, like you move across liquid. So, mm-hmm. I mean, those are those are those are good. Those are. I mean, it's it doesn't necessarily. It can help you avoid combat more so than in combat. Well, it depends. We don't use a lot of terrain features in our games, but if we did, I could see a lot of their spells really coming in hand. Of course, we, there was that time back uh, in a previous campaign where uh, where uh, Ren, uh, Megan's character, used uh, spider climb gloves to climb up on a ceiling and fire a crossbow at our enemy. Um, if if uh, if he had just had the um, spider climb spell, he could have done the same thing. So, I mean, th- there are ways to really use that in combat. Well, yeah, I'm not, sort of... I'm, I'm not saying it's not useful in combat. I'm, I'm saying that uh, a majority yeah. of them help you generally avoid combat or dangerous situations. If you yeah. water walk, then you're not going to, you know, tire yourself out swimming or risk being dragged down yeah. by an octopus. Uh, I'll yeah. rephrase that. It's, you're going to lessen your chances. Are you often drugged yeah. by octopi? octopi? <laughs> You know, it, it's one of those. I don't even go to the. I don't even take a bath anymore for fear of just come up and hold me down. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a, that, that's probably the school I have the hardest time wrapping my head around. But I see how useful it is. That transmutation stone is extremely helpful. I believe so. Yeah. And of course, uh, if you're going to uh, if you're going to play a wizard, though you. If you're going to use one of these eight classes, of course there are a couple others out from the Unearthed Arcana and uh, and Sword Coast Adventures Guide introducing the Blazer. But if you're going to play one of these eight, don't stick with just you know one type of. I mean, don't just stay take every single divination spell if you're a diviner. You're going to need something, but but you. So it's not you're not going to monopolize one kind of spell if you're one of these specialist wizards, but you are going to specialize. In it. Oh yeah, you've got to diversify. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want to. You know, if the rest of the party gets wiped out, you better have a a fireball or two up your sleeve, or at least a teleport. Let's get us out of here. Spell. Yeah. And, uh, should we move on to uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters? So, in Volo's Guide to Monsters, they introduce, um, looks like eight NPCs that are one for each class of wizardry. And yeah, they, which is good, because all you had before was the mage and the, um, archmage. Which were um, which were good, but if you wanted other kinds of uh, wizards, like in the um, in Rise of Tiamat, which was the second venture published, they had the Red Wizards play a role at part of the story. Well, Red Wizards are supposed to be specialist wizards usually. They usually specialize in a particular one, like a like most of the player wizards would if they were using the player's handbook. Thing is, at that time, all you really had to get uh, to make one was you had the 
you just had to use the mage stat, which really didn't represent uh, any red wizards all that well. So now we have one of each kind. Most red wizards would, of course, be of the necromancy school, but as things are changing in the realm's lore again, um, the uh, other schools are getting um, getting powerful in the red wizards again. So if you wanted to fight illusionists or conjurers or stuff, you can now. Yeah, I did. I did notice that the up until Volos, you you had a pretty basic build, and it was kind of. It can you, you've got a mage, and you'll have to you have to do heavy custom you have to do heavy customization before yeah. you can do anything. Although, yeah. Well, I am glad they they added they added the the different wizards in Volos. I gotta say, it it seems they they heavily favor several over others? Uh, from what I remember, the Abjur, the Evoker, and the Necromancer are the strongest. Um, yes. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, it looks like now, actually... Looks like the Illusionist out of it is the weakest. And... Yeah. I, I have some... I have some... Uh, I have some justifications for some of the choices they've made. Um, the Abjurer is pretty strong. That seems like something a little weird to put so much power into for something you'd be encountering later game. But I, not in flavor, but I think that was more of a statistics um, stance. The Abjurer can actually really hold their own because of uh, their ward they get. And for all of them, I will give them credit that giving them some actual PC um, class features in their monster stat blocks was pretty neat. Um, there's actually one other place where that shows up in Volos. Uh, one of the Hobgoblins, I believe the uh, the Adept of Devastation, or something along those lines, uh -huh. they're war mages, they have the Sculpt Spell uh, ability of the Evoker. Uh -huh. Well, I do know the... the the Abshur they gave the Apprentice Wizard to, um, to. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if his his stats was up because they're envisioning that the Abjur Wizard will be protected the Apprentice or not. <laughs> I don't know. Just the um. I'd say it's, it's a lot harder level for level to kill an abjurer by himself than it is some of the other um, wizard types. You'll see that the diviner is a 15th level spellcaster, much as I think the abjurer is, but it's got a lower challenge rate. Um, it, it, I mean, it's still 8. Yeah. And I'm even willing to... What? Nothing. And I'm even willing to justify that because... As you go up in level, not only do your opponents get harder, the stakes in your adventures get bigger. So, and a lot of times, a favorite um, a favorite trope in the fantasy genre is sort of a prophecy preventing some uh, some evil 
um, events from happening in the future or stopping some evil events occurring now by getting a lot of answers. An evil or uh, adversarial diviner can really stand in your way or be really helping the villain if they're on, you know, their side. So I could see wanting to wait for the showdown with that sort of wizard till later in the game. Uh, the Necromancer, of course, it's just a classic one. You, you want to have a tough fight with one of them. Although, uh, although I, I think that the, um, I think that the undead minions it would have would already given enough of a, um, a bonus. The Evoker is actually a surprisingly low-level spellcaster for the nine challenge rating it gets, but also almost everything it has is combat-oriented, which is how challenge rating is, uh, is you know, determined. Well, I, I understand that. And if we're going, if we're doing, if we're looking at it uh, story and flavor-wise, and you're and you're building up to a, you're building your your campaign up to a big, you know, a big climax when your players are getting close to the twentieth level. Think of all the the. I guess I don't think it's just fantasy, but it would be mostly fantasy. But in like sci-fi and stuff as well. The first line of defense is usually some sort of misdirection or distraction, and that's yeah. why. And and so you know, the illusionist casts illusions to you know dissuade the party, and of course the party gets through it. And what does the the big bad do? He kills off the illusionist who couldn't who couldn't keep those darn meddling kids away from him. Yeah, and they're talking dog. And, he, and they're dog too. Yeah. <laughs> so all illusionists live in lighthouses. Yes. <laughs> and wear masks and are actually Don Knotts. Um. Yeah, I mean, I can see that too. I, I have a similar sort of thing to say. The, the enchanter, the enchanter isn't uh, isn't very powerful either. But in their case, they don't need to be. You're not fighting the enchanter, really. You're fighting the big goons they brainwashed to try to kill you. Yeah, and that Because technically, a lot of enchantments, I mean, if one of their allies does something hostile to them, the enchantment breaks. But if you don't know these people, yeah, and it's just some, I don't know, ogre or something. Yeah, if, you, if the enchanter's got a, a bunch of hired, well, you know, enchanted goons, and you say people are coming to hurt me, and they think you're, you know, you're its best friend. Of course, you know, you doing hostile stuff to it's not gonna, not gonna knock it out. Yeah. We do a public service announcement. Yeah. For goons everywhere. We don't t intend to cause evil. We <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and in a way, I, I'm I'm that way with the necromancer too, but. In general, flavor. The thing is, I really like the illusion tool, and I can see that actually being a big um, villain. I, I actually really like the masters of illusion sort of villain type in a lot of media, and I really think there should. I really think they should have made it stronger. I mean, it's freaking level three. 
I mean, it's level 7 caster, but challenge rating 3. And Ogre's almost that strong. I feel like you have some pin-up aggression about this. <laughs> well, I can, uh, again, I, I, I can see if, if challenge rating's based on just pure combat, then, yeah, the, the illusionist is going to be farther down the totem there. Yeah, even though they actually did give them some of the uh, good uh, combat illusions they get at that level. So it, it, it you know, that, that makes sense. Um, so I can, I can see that. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think, I mean, it, it's... I, I would hope if they start introducing new schools, like... In, in further publications, they really need to, to stack them as well. Would, would you agree? With yeah, like like we yeah like we have the Blade Singer uh, Wizard tradition now as an officially out there legal tradition, but we don't have a Blade Singer Elf yet. And I think the press, I'm not sure of the realm score, so perhaps this will be our first angry comment. But um, there are, uh, I think there are drow blade singers. I think it's a practice practiced by all elves. So really having one of those really should be something they should do. I think, I think they should stat um, new classes as NPCs when we get them. With preference for things that can more easily be evil, but still. Well, I mean, I, 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 I see that. Um, I do think that if you're if you're going to introduce some NPCs, I mean, I do like that. At least in the the DMG, the, the Dungeon Masters guide, they they do help you stat and give you some stats for neutral NPCs you know, town guards and everything like that, so you do have the option if your players go chaotic mean, like Megan tends to do. <laughs> you you, you yeah. have you can you can pull out some stats to, to help things along. Lawful good doesn't mean lawful yeah. nice. Yes, but breaking <laughs> the guy's legs is not lawful good. Yeah. You don't know if he didn't have some sort of infection lower on his leg. <laughs> Anybody have any other things on the classes? Thoughts? Yeah, I think we're good. I don't have any class anyway, so... <laughs> I would like to thank all of our guests, as well as thank bensound.com for our music, Extreme Action. You can find them at bensound.com.